like a moment from a horror movie. You have been hanging out in the wrong clubs, Mr. Wayne. I've seen this movie. Smoke and mirrors, guys. Welcome to the movie factory. Join the club. We've got jackets. And you stole it from a movie. We want you in our club, kid. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Burke Reviews Movie Club. I'm John Burke, and with me, as always, Corey Starr. Hello, hello. And we are here with week three of Sad Sacks. We're going to be talking about Atonement uh, from 2007. Uh, we'll get into the stats and stuff of that in just a minute. But before we do, we like to catch up with how we've been doing and see what else we've been watching since the last time we recorded. Corey, how are you doing? I'm fine. It's not Friday, so I can't say my usual thing, but yeah. Still got two more days. It's hump day. Yeah, but we are more than halfway there. Indeed. I'm actually a little little more than halfway because uh, the students are off Friday um, for like a work day. And then they're off. We're all off Monday for President's Day. So it's like the kids get a four day weekend. But for most teachers, it feels like a four day weekend because, you know, it's it's a different job when we don't have students there. So um, so I have tomorrow is normal for me and then everything else, which by tomorrow will be Thursday. Listeners. It'll be Saturday when you're hearing this, so ignore all of that. But um, we are at the middle point of the week. Um, I, Corey, am rage-filled uh, lately. I am. I need oh, to God. find some source of of aggression release because I'm just I'm the world's going crazy, and education is getting harder and harder to be a part of. Um, that you know, there's all sorts of book bannings and things like that are happening all across the country. And it is absolutely frustrating to me. Um, and what's probably worse than all of that is students in general feeling slightly more apathetic than usual. Oh. Um, and just, they just don't seem to care. And that, that's the hardest thing to overcome. It's like, how do you make people care? And it, you can make them engage. You can make them care for a few minutes, but at the end of it, if they don't really care, they go back to doing whatever they want to do because they don't care about this or they don't care about that. And it is endlessly frustrating um, seeing people that you know are capable just kind of whittling away, wasting their time with no real ambition or drive. And I'm just kind of, I'm kind of exhausted. I'm ready for summer, I think. Oh, gosh, I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah, me too. Um, I mean, what can I, how can I even reply to that? Yeah, no, I, I, I don't, ex- I didn't expect answers. <laughs> I just decided to vent. Um, I think it's hard sometimes when everything looks like poop you know or everything like it just doesn't seem like there's a lot to be i don't know i'm just trying to think of uh when i I was a teenager i feel like you know life itself is worth living regardless of how long it might end up being or uh you know where you're gonna go and I, i i like exploring and learning things um in fact uh, getting into kind of not what we've been watching, but I've been listening to um, the Secret History of Hollywood, a podcast I've listened to several different series oh. on. But I've been listening to their uh, Girl Before the Girl series, which is about Audrey Hepburn. And I've uh, over the last year, I've I finally caught up on some major Audrey Hepburn films I had not seen. I hadn't seen Breakfast at Tiffany's, Roman Holiday, um, and then I watched Wait Until Dark, uh, which is one that I really really like. Um, I still have a couple other big ones to watch of hers, but. Um, you know, she's an actress that you kind of equate with uh, Hollywood. Like, you just know her as this, like, iconic 
actress, uh, leading lady, just, you know, big megastar. And I had no idea until listening to this podcast that she was um, in uh, Holland uh, during the German occupation and like was only like 11 years old, um, but like resisted, like helped like rebellions. Like she was carrying hidden messages in her ballet ballet slippers and doing um, like ballet performances technically illegally because they weren't like unless it was a sanctioned German um uh entertainment they weren't supposed to do it but that would like she was smuggling things and she like put her life at risk she almost died multiple times not just because of uh of nazis but because of like the conditions that the war left the city and like where they were like no food and um i was like just i was shocked uh you know i never knew that side of it i did i'd heard like she worked with like unicef but what i didn't learn until this podcast is that the part of the reason she's so like connected to unicef is before they changed their name to unicef uh it was something with like the united nations food relief or something like that and they basically saved her because her family was like at that point had no money left like they were wealthy they were barons uh, at one point and then because of the occupation lost almost everything and were like dying um and they, she was saved by them and then, you know, in turn be dedicated her life to helping others. And it's just crazy, uh, you know, really compelling story. And um, yeah, I just, uh, it's a podcast. That I, it's just really, really well done. It's, it is a lot of history, but they, they do it like an old school radio show. So like you're, t they're telling stories as if we were experiencing it. We're not just like hearing someone talk about what happened. So it's very engaging, and uh, there's been some really good ones. So if you're looking for a new podcast to listen to besides ours, uh, I, I recommend that one. Check it out. I always think about people in situations like that, and, you know, I know sometimes people just do what they got to do, but it's going to sound so dumb. But I wonder if I would be brave enough, you know, to do that stuff. I guess. Yeah, I mean, no, we all want to believe we'll be the hero if that opportunity ever arose, but um, it's very different to, like, find out that someone really was. And, I mean, like, in so many situations like that, you really have to be guarded about who you give that information to, because you know, it could also mean your death. I mean, mm -hmm. we even see it fictionalized. Well, we know that it happened, but, you know, you know, guys. I didn't know yes. that about her either. That's very. Yeah. Um, just, just definitely something that's worth, uh, you know, learning more about kind of thing. Cause, um, cause it's wild, you know, like you, you see these movies and you recognize these people, but like, um, they have a whole life. They're humans. Yeah. And, yeah. Well, and that, like, even I think contextually, you don't, <clears throat> you know, like, you know how big world war two was, but like how many lives were affected by it and, and how different um, their lives, you know, are later and just, you know, we're shaped by our past and it's, it's wild to see all this happening, but. Mm -hmm. um, so uh, let's get into what we've been watching. I, I kind of alluded with my podcast, but I also, um, uh, I've, I've, been watching a tv show uh not much like I, i've only watched three episodes but there's a, a show that's been on for a while called letter kenny it's one word have you heard of this 
No. So it is um the the best description that was given to me about it is it's kind of like King of the Hill, but with Canadians and live action. So it's not what? animated, what? it's live action, but it's like the the episodes usually start with three guys sitting in front of like their uh their produce stand just kind of talking about like some random stuff and um it's pretty funny. The third episode uh they create a website called Fartbook. And it is very much like if you've seen the social network, there are there's one character who's like just like spouting out lines from the movie that if you've never seen the social network, you will have no idea why he's doing what he's doing. But if you have, it's very, very like, oh, man, this guy thinks he's in the social network. Um, It's it's pretty funny. The second episode so far is my favorite of the three that I've seen. Um, But it had been recommended. It's one of those things where like never heard of it but once you hear of it it kind of like starts showing up in other places so i found like you know what i'm gonna give this a watch they're short it's like 22 minute episodes so it's quick and kind of digestible yeah and it's it's you know uh if you don't mind some vulgarity and some 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 silliness uh it's it's definitely pretty funny um and then uh, i've been keeping up with peacemaker uh, one of my favorite new shows for sure james gunn is just so brilliant Movies, um, I have watched now all of the Jane Campion films. Uh, I had to finish Holy Smoke and Bright Star. Um, so Holy Smoke is really hard to get. You have to rent it or buy it. You can't stream anywhere. But um, it's Kate Winslet right after Titanic. And it's a pretty oh. wild performance um, for her uh, in general, to be honest. It's it's a interesting movie. I, I wouldn't say it's a good movie, but it's, it's definitely worth checking out. Um, but then uh, Bright Star is Jane Campion's last film before Power of the Dog. And it uh, is about uh, John Keats, the, the romantic poem, poet, excuse me, from, um, I think I'm saying his name wrong. I'm like, my brain's like, is it Keats? I feel like it's Keats. But now I'm like, no, it's probably not Keats. Um, no, I was right. It's John Keats, uh, who Ben Wishaw plays him. Um, it's about his time as a poet and... I didn't know much about John Keats. I knew the name. I knew he was a poet. And I was watching the movie and I was like surprisingly really into it because it's a period piece and it's like set in the Victorian yeah. time period and it's about the poet. And I do like movies about poets, apparently. I, I just, you know, it it all on the surface felt like, oh, I'm not going to enjoy this. And I was, I was like halfway through, I was like, okay, I'm really vibing with this. And there's like a really subtle, like soft romance that you just see, you just like totally buy into. And then I, I realized, I was like, I wonder, I wonder how old John Keats lived to be. And I, I Googled and was like, oh, no, this movie's going to be sad. Um, like, uh, yeah, it's like what, the the character It's because it is a biopic. So it's not technically a spoiler, but the character like coughs. And it's like, you know, mid like late 1700s, early 1800s in, in Britain. And I'm like, oh, no, that cough sounds bad. And that's why I was like how old does he live to be? And I was like, Oh God, no, this is not going to be what I thought it was. <laughs> um, so yeah, it, there's a sadness to the movie for sure, but it's, it's really good. Um, watched uh, marry me, the new Jennifer Lopez and Owen Wilson rom-com. Uh, Kathy and I watched it on Super Bowl Sunday before the Super Bowl. Um, we both liked it. It's not amazing, but we like rom-coms and Owen Wilson's very charming. Um, you know, cause you've had lunch with him and yeah, I had lunch with him. Um, j-lo i like j-lo to be honest i as like i haven't seen all of her rom-coms but i generally enjoy her like there's a presence about her she's she seems fun 
I like Mary Me. Sarah Silverman is having a blast being the guidance counselor slash friend to Owen Wilson. She's just cracking jokes and, and being funny. I enjoyed it. Um, we watched the most recent, I believe, Sandra Bullock uh, movie that was on Netflix late last year called oh. The Unforgivable. Uh, Kathy picked this one kind of at random. She does that. She does that. And she, we haven't done that for a couple of years. So it's been kind of nice. Um, we've been watching a few more movies together than we have been. She, You know, there's for a couple of years now, it's like she just hasn't really won anything oh. with, that stressed her out. Um, Unforgivable is... Definitely, it's somewhat stressful, uh, but it's a really interesting character study and this evaluation, uh, to me, of the prison system and this idea of, like, rehabilitation, right? Like, you've, you've committed a crime, you've now been punished, you were sentenced to this amount of time, and you've served it, yet society doesn't really seem to acknowledge that you've served it. Like, yeah. you're still a criminal, you're still a felon. And your options are always severely limited, which usually pushes you to maybe live another life of crime. That's not th this case per se, but um, it's a really interesting movie. There's some information, like the way the story is delivered, I found very compelling. Uh, small roles, but um, John Bernthal, Viola Davis, and uh, Vincent D'Onofrio are all in it and really good in their small parts, but they are significant parts, but they are smaller parts. Um, and then last night, uh, I... Kathy was like three, three nights in a row. We watched the movie together. Um, and uh, I'd been wanting to watch this new rom-com that dropped on Amazon prime called, I want you back that stars Jenny slate and um, <gasps> Charlie day. Looking at that one. It's so fun. Uh, we oh, had a blast. Yeah. We really, really liked it. Um, it's it, Scott Eastwood is the uh, like Jenny slate's boyfriend and he's not the best actor. But he's used well here. Like, he's not in it for a lot. But um, you watched The Good Place, right? Mona Lisa Saperson, what? Did you watch The Good Place? I don't know if I was a joke from The Good Place now, I feel like. <laughs> no, it was oh. a joke from <laughs> Parks and Rec. That's gotcha. her character name in that show. Oh, Jen um, Jenny Slate. Got yes. Um, I watched some episodes and then... Meh. What? The Good Place is brilliant, but... um. Yeah, I, wa I watched a bit of it. Man, I don't understand that. But uh, the guy that plays Jason on that show, um, who's the guy that's from Jacksonville, um, he is in this in a, a important part. But like, um, I hadn't really seen him in anything else except for Good Place. So I was like, oh look, it's Jason. Um, like him. I I really I like Charlie Day, but he doesn't always like really click for me. But in this, I loved him. Like I really thought he was super funny. Uh, Jenny Slate, I often just think is great in rom coms, especially. Um, and yeah, the two of them, it's, it's very funny. Um, it's, in, it's sweet. Um, it's everything I, I kind of want from a rom-com. There's some very funny set, uh, set pieces. I, I had a really good time with it. Um, again, that's on Amazon prime. Uh, and that's what I've been watching. What about you? Uh, I haven't been watching a lot guys, like barely anything. Cause I've been very busy with other things. So pretty much just our movie of the week. And I'm reading a new book, which I just keep reading. So I'm a slow reader, just so everyone knows. I love books, but it, I only get through like five or six a year. Why so, only five or six? Because I'm a slow reader. I don't, like, I can't skim or read fast because then I don't, like, absorb it, you know? So I usually read kind of slow. But I've read, like, 60 or 70 pages, I think about 70 pages now in the last three or four nights. Which is really good for me. I I don't read much anymore. Um so that's more books than I usually read. I listen to books. Um 
sometimes. Not always, but I have one I'm supposed to be listening to now, but I forgot about it. Oh, um, no! I mean, so, so it was engrossing, is what it sounds uh, no, like. No, I haven't started it. Um, I had, oh. I, Audible had like a, during Black Friday, I think it was like, um, you could, three months for five bucks each month, instead of their usual 15. Mm. Um, and so my last credit came through, and then I bought something that I'm now looking at, because I don't remember what it was. Um, I think I... I think it was the devil in white city but i don't remember what that is now um hmm. oh, don't start playing um eric larson's a film critic so it has to be something with movies which is of course totally on brand for me um oh it no it's not it's not a book movie it, or a movie a uh, man it's not a movie my god it's not a book about movies it is uh about the um the uh, Chicago World's Fair. Uh, like, did you know there was a serial killer in the World's Fair? Um, I, oh, I, my. I came up in something else that I was studying, and uh, my my friend recommended this, and I was like, "Oh yeah, that sounds interesting." And I, I have I forgot about it until just now. But, What's um, the name of it? The book is "The Devil in White City" in the White City. The devil. By Eric Larson. I listen to a lot of like I think well they're on YouTube and I don't like watch them because I'm working but I listen to them like a podcast I guess but um I listen to a lot of true crime I'm listening to Kendall Ray because my girl Bailey Sarian hasn't been putting out anything um but yeah have I told you by Chris Larson Eric Larson Eric Larson there's a podcast that Rain Wilson is the host of um but he's in a character uh he's basically the crypt keeper what yeah so it's called radio rental um my my coworker told me about this um and i've listened to like four episodes so the premise is rain wilson's like a crypt keeper type character and uh he runs a video rental store which of course is not very busy anymore cuz he rents videos um but what he plays for us are audio tapes now his stuff is like improv slash scripted, right? Like he's kind of like the anthology host, but the episodes that we are hearing are actual people telling stories of either scary, like supernatural scary or like weird, like encounters with people. And some of them are real happened? freaky. Yes. I say that with a caveat. Cause I always am skeptical of like people. Cause sometimes it's like, Oh, oh I was, I was this close to a serial killer. It's like, yeah, but you're not dead. So maybe not, but like, but it's they're They're still really, most of them have been very compelling that I've listened to. And you usually get, I think two uh, different stories per episode um, with rain Wilson kind of doing stuff in between, (laughs) but it's, uh, it's technically true. It's not true crime because it's not Hmm. inherently crime. Cause it could be like supernatural stuff. It's got like unsolved mystery type vibes though. You know, where you get like kind of, it's not a I reenactment, but you hear I'm someone a, telling a story. A word I try not to say on this. I love that stuff. Yeah, I think you should t- check it out for sure. I actually, I, I think I meant to tell you about it, but it's one of those things where it's like on the periphery of my brain. And I don't know. I'm like, well, I don't know if I should just like text randomly about this podcast that I've only I listened like to a should've. few episodes. Of. I guess I should have. Um, anywho, uh, that's something for you to check out. That kind of seems like in, in the same vein of what you're uh, you're into. Have you heard, sorry, I'm going to mention one more thing and then we can, um, have you heard of Old Gods of Appalachia? It sounds familiar. So if anyone 
loves like scary stories. It's a podcast of like a continuing scary story that takes place in. I always feel like I'm saying Appalachia. No, I, I Appalachian. Yeah, whatever. Whoever's saying it right, but it had like a bajillion episodes, and I listened to all of them, and it's very good. If oh. anybody wants like scary story podcast stuff, and also I'll take recommendations because I love listening to that stuff while I'm typing up orders. <laughs> um, the sadness of that statement, but what? Like typing up orders, and you're like, oh no, here is twenty ghosts. What? Uh oh, I. If I'm typing and I'm listening to something, it's a good chance I'm going to type what I'm hearing. So it's like... Haven't I told you I did? I'm kind of always afraid of that. And it took me a really long time to get really good at my job where I felt comfortable doing that. Like I would listen to music, but not like something that I really need to pay attention to. And one day I was putting in an order for an Echo. And she was talking and she said murder. And instead of typing murmur for like a heart murmur, I put murder. Oh no! <laughs> yeah, I caught it at least, but I just see what you're saying. Yeah, I, I my, uh, the students who have had me the longest know if I'm typing an email, they can't talk to me because yeah. I, I will not like. like I'm either not okay. listening. <laughs> yeah, I'm either not listening to them because I'm typing, or if I am <laughs> listening to them, I'm typing what they're saying. So it's like it has to, like they have to wait. Oh man. Um. <laughs> Sorry, I'm still dying, guys. I guess we all are. Um. Folks, we're here to talk about Atonement. Uh, this is the Joe Wright film from 2007. It has an 85 on Metacritic. Stars a very young Saoirse Ronan. Um, almost unrecognizable, to be honest. Uh, like She looks very different now. Keira Knightley, though, is technically the lead. James McAvoy, co-lead. Um, Brenda Blethyn? 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 I'm not sure how to say it. Um, is in there. Uh, Juno Temple is an important character. Um, there's a few small, like big name people that really small performances. They probably they were not big name in 2007, but Alfie Allen, if you're a Game of Thrones fan, easily recognizable. Um, even though I think he's in like literally one scene, um, I'm like, hey, that guy looks familiar, and I don't think he's in the movie again. And he never um, comes back. And then Benedict Cumberbatch, who's got some major scenes, but also is not in the movie for a large part. Um, I didn't. Honestly, I wasn't really aware of him in 2007. So I was, to me, it was like, oh, this might be his like debut. And I don't think it is, but it's definitely early, early Cumberbatch. Um, there's some other people you might recognize if you've seen this. So I picked this movie. It's one that I'd been meaning to get to uh, for some time, partly because of Saoirse Ronan. Um, also partly because of Joe Wright. I'm kind of like in Joe Wright movies right now. I didn't realize that when I picked this one. But like, I really love Cyrano from last year. Oh, um, which isn't fully out everywhere. I think it comes out in March for most places, but I oh. really, really like Cyrano. Um, I have not watched, he did do the woman in the window with Amy Adams on Netflix. that a lot of people hated on, uh, and it's got a parody now um, with uh it's a Kristen Bell, like TV <laughs> series on Netflix where it's like making fun of all those. Um, but uh, atonement does have an Oscar win for best achievement in music, which I really love the score in this movie, which is, uh, the, wait, no, what was the movie I just watched that I really, really like the score? Um, is it Bright Star? No, it was Atonement. Atonement, she's playing the piano, right? And like the, the typing, there's like a, yeah, the typing sound is built into the score. Sorry, it's been a long yes. week. Um, which was a very interesting score. 
that's what I liked about it though. It like, it was like, it was very intrusive, but in a way that I found really compelling. And I loved that it integrated those sound elements into the score. I thought it was just really cool. Yeah. Just very different than anything I can remember. Um, but that's, it's one Oscar win. It does have a few other nominations uh, for, of course, one would expect um, best performance uh, by Saoirse Ronan. So a very young, I think thir- she's 13, if I remember correctly. Um, uh, it gets best she writing nomination. In the movie? What happened? Is she 13 for real in the movie? Cause, oh, like it, she is 13 when she's acting. I know her character is 13. I think she's actually 13 um, based on her birthday. If I remember correctly. Um, and the film, she might've been like, maybe a year younger because depending on when they filmed versus the release date kind of thing because i'm looking at the release date oh yeah year of birth um best achievement in cinematography uh, which there's some really cool stuff in there with cinematography we'll talk about one scene in particular costume design of course anytime you have a period piece like this you're going to get that kind of a nod um often if it looks good and it it does um and art direction because there are some really pretty set pieces in this movie um i New, like when we were rehe- looking for sad sack movies, this was one that popped up in searches. I didn't really know much about it. I knew it was a romance. I didn't know what was going to be the part that makes it sad. And I was watching it like, oh, oh no. Um, because Saoirse Ronan's character, this is not a spoiler. <clears throat> Because this is the setup for the entire film. The Saoirse Ronan's character plays the little sister to Kira Knightley's character, and they don't fully get along. Um, she, uh, Brioni, I think is how you say her name. Bryony, I think. Bryony, I don't know. It's she's a brony. Um, has a crush on Robbie Turner, who's played by McAvoy, and there's a huge age difference there. So he kind of like, no, no, little girl, go, go back. She witnesses what I actually really like how they film this because we we see from her perspective what looks like kind of an abusive interaction with with Robbie and Cecilia. Um, and then we see how it actually plays out and it's much more innocent, far more flirty than it looked like from uh, Bryony's you know, perspective. And then. Um, then he gives her a note to give to Cecilia. She reads it and he gave her the wrong note. Um, that is very sexually explicit. Uh, but so now she thinks him, him like a sex fiend. Um, and she tells as much to uh, Juno Temple's character, Lola, who's uh, her cousin that's living with them, I think, if I understood that correctly. Um, and so with that information, um, in this kind of like negative perspective of Robbie, uh, what really goes wrong. And this is, again, this is to me, the inciting incident. This is when everything really kicks because Cecilia and Robbie are in love. They're, they're planning to marry. Like there's definitely in the cards, nothing official, but there's, there's definitely a lot of love there, but Lola's brothers run away and everyone in the house goes looking for the brothers and the kids are supposed to stay in the house. But Bryony being her goes out looking and, Oh man, catches somebody raping Lola. I feel like sometimes we should have trigger warnings for the show or for the movies that we're about to watch. For some of the movies, like when I we didn't talk to know them. about the rape. I no, I mean like when we were talking about them here, like. Ah. But fair, not as 
again, I don't feel like this is a spoiler yet. No. So, um, it, I mean, I didn't know it was going to happen myself. And so in a way, this is the trigger warning because this is the spoiler free part. And there's gonna, it's not a graphic scene of rape, but it is troubling for a multitude of reasons. One, because it's a rape and that's always troubling. But two, because I don't know how old Lola's supposed to be. Uh, 15. She's supposed to be 15. Oh, she's 15. I was like, I would figure she's the same age as Brian. I'm, I'm reading the Wikipedia. So if, if that's wrong, it's Wikipedia's fault. But we love Wikipedia though. Um, for everyone here. But Br- Brian, based on her already kind of preconceived notion of Robbie, blames Robbie, insists that it was Robbie. Lola doesn't dispute, and that sets up the the thing. So, of course, Robbie shows up with the two boys. He's done the hero's duty, but yet he is met with police officers, and he is arrested and taken to jail. And then we cut to the actual movie that we're here to see. Four years later, he has been in jail and now has been forced to join uh, the French army um, as an, well, I guess forced is strong. He either rots in prison or he joins the army. So it's kind of lose, lose. And uh, this is to fight in world war two. Um, and Cecilia doesn't believe Robbie did the, the horrible thing. Her sister has accused him of doing still loves him. He still loves her. And that's our sad sack love story. And man, I was like, when that happened, when I realized she was going to blame him for the rape, I was like, oh, this movie's way, way, way sadder than I was ready for. Like, I had no idea. Um, like, how do you come back from that? Like, that's a horrible situation. Uh, and then World War II. So, like, I also didn't know there was a World War II part of this movie. So I was just like, oh, man. And I'm also like, atonement, I know what the word means. I didn't know the context of how it would play out in this film. And even at this point in the plot, I'm still like, who's atoning at this moment? Like, who am I supposed to be watching, like, try to fix their, their life? And man, it's a journey. Um, It's an emotional movie for sure. It's definitely got sad sack stuff throughout. Um, It's, it's, it's man, it's crazy. Uh, I, I, I can't say I didn't like the movie. It was not necessarily an enjoyable experience. Um, and I was very stressed out when I found out about that plot point that she was going to accuse Robbie. Um, and man, uh, I was just like, oh, no. So what did you think, Corey? Because this is what I brought to you. <sighs> I also cannot say it's not a bad movie the actors do a great job in it and it has lots of good things about it but it's a hard watch yeah and i don't think i ever need to watch it again probably won't because dang it's heavy um i don't know like i was really frustrated after watching it because i was like really i'm not gonna like give any spoilers but very frustrated with um how it ended and like i'm just like really you know, that's it. But yeah. Well, and I, um, I, a few years ago, I knew nothing about Dunkirk. Like not a thing. Never had heard anything. It keeps coming up in movies we watch. Yeah. Well, now this one, to be fair though, the, the most important part is that this is 10 years before Nolan's Dunkirk. Right. So had we watched this when it came out, we would have known about Dunkirk long before. Like when I heard, nolan's dunkirk i was like what's that i didn't know yeah, right uh what that was 
uh, which is terrible. Oh, system, you have failed us. Yeah, and then Darkest Hour. <laughs> no, education is messed up in so many ways. Totally agree. Um, we uh, we see we get Dunkirk and we get Darkest Hour. I think for the same year or within a like within yeah, a year. Yeah, it was really close. And I learned, I was like, wow, I two different sides of Dunkirk. And then I watched this movie, I'm like, there's a different, like, they didn't even, like, initially, I didn't hear them say Dunkirk. I'm watching it, and I'm like, No, but I was like, Dunkirk? dude, this is yeah. Dunkirk. Right. <laughs> like, oh, too, my but... God, it's Dunkirk. Yeah. I'm like, I know what this is. Yeah, they're like, there's no other place that this would be, like, where they're retreating, and there's this many guys on a beach. And then, like, it's confirmed All that those it's different Dunkirk. armies. Yeah, and I'm like, oh, this is nuts. Um, and then I was just like, oh, no, because Dunkirk doesn't go well. I mean, it goes better than it looks like it's going to go. We know from from Nolan's Dunkirk, but at the same time, it doesn't go well. And um, so I, I was like really into that. That scene is also where the cinematography nod gets this big bump because it is a, a long take of them walking across the beach and all of this horrific stuff that's happening. Um, it, it's it's a wild sequence, but very, very memorable one. Um, there's a few very memorable sequences in this movie for sure. Um, cause it's not a war movie, but it depicts war as such a major component. Um, but let's, we definitely need to talk spoilers, uh, for a little bit. So Corey. Guys, from here on out, we are going to talk about, I was about to say Dunkirk and that is not correct. Atonement in great detail. You have been warned. It's 15 years old. The movie. I, yes. Remember when this movie came out and we had like 500 copies of it. Oh, I can't remember uh, if you were uh, five. Yeah, no, I I wouldn't be there till 2010. So uh, this is a couple years before I would have got there. Okay. Yeah. Um, but I, I, like did, a, I mean, we we had copies of it. I remember frequently seeing the, the cover of this movie. Though, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's funny, especially because I think it, <laughs> movies, um, depending on where they sat on the shelf, some movies just always stuck out to me because like they were always visible because they were like in the front and atonement mm -hmm. didn't necessarily have to be in the front, but you know, depending on how the rotation of the, the letters would have worked, it had the chance of being in the front. Um, and I, this, this poster definitely had always stuck with me. I thought this was going to be more. And now that I'm looking at the poster too, like there's very, it's very clear. He's got like dirt and grime. So I don't know why I thought this was going to be like pride and prejudice or sense and sensibility. I did too uh, though. Oh, like, I know why. Because it says from the director of Prejudice right oh, there. <laughs> I was like, it, I didn't realize. I don't know. I don't Which know. I should. I've not seen Sense and Sensibility. I have not seen the Kira Knightley Pride and Prejudice. I have tried to sit through Pride and Prejudice. It is not. That time period is not one that often works for me. However, I have started to come around because I like I, I like to tell my students all the time. There is not a single genre that you truly hate because every genre will have something that works for you you just have to sort through all of the ones that don't work How for you to find it my least liked genre which will always be in musicals and film noir is up there i don't understand that one at all but um but I don't know how we talked about it so many times. I I understand. I just don't understand why you don't like it cuz they're great. But um musicals I I will argue that they're the ones that work for you uh, like sing street makes sense well but yeah but that's that's such a i don't get that like <laughs> you things don't have to make sense like as if you especially if you mean like things don't have to feel real you like cartoons and you like fantasy stuff like 
You like Del Toro? You like horror movies? Nothing in horror, horror movies, movies are real. Like that's sometimes it is. I listen to a lot of true crime. Okay. I mean, the, but not the ghost and like goblins and crap. Like you know, you like those. I mean, too. I'm gonna probably I'm coming back to haunt everyone. So just I mean, maybe you know, studying. But, and I do know some people believe in ghosts. I don't, but it's fine. <laughs> um, but let's focus on this. I, <laughs> I I need to watch more of like I really do want to go. I'm gonna probably catch all of Joe Wright's stuff because I, I've liked what I've seen. I do understand some of your whatever about that, about movies out of that time period, though. Sometimes they can be very hard to understand. Yes. Like, the way that they talk is like, yes. we've watched a couple movies for, you know, this podcast over the last 27 years that it's been a while. I I know that yeah. we don't... <laughs> oh, stop. It, that, oh, my God. You made me lose my train of thought. But you know, we've watched a couple of them, and there's one, I can't remember the title off the top of my head, but I remember I couldn't, like, keep up with what they were saying because it just didn't make sense to me. I speak really bad English, non-proper, you know, like, so I understand, you know, your reservations about that. Yeah, and, I, you know, they have, some of them have bored me. Like, it's not like I haven't watched some. I <laughs> just, and like, you're completely right, though. A lot of it is the language. I, I mentioned the Emma with the period the only reason I knew what was happening in that movie is because I seen clueless. Like I had no clue what they were saying and I don't, mm -hmm. I've seen enough movies where I feel like I should know what they're saying, but I, I just, I get lost and it's also the rhythm of it. Sometimes they, they, they talk so fast. It's a style choice. It just doesn't always mesh with me. It's like, was um, that supposed to be funny, you know, in the movie? Right. And, um, so I haven't been pulled into and pride and prejudice. I, I've always felt is a little more melodrama. And again, holding to my own point i do think there are movies in every genre that might work it's sometimes like filtering through them though is the the chore and it's like if it doesn't work it's gonna feel like a, the worst decision of my day to like watch a three-hour movie that i kind of anticipated i wouldn't like um yeah, it just proves a point yeah but every once in a while you find that gem that really does click and like the favorite is one that technically is that same period, although it's Yorgos Lanthimos, and that's really why it works for me. But nevertheless, um, you know, there's others that have come out, and Big Tune is like always, uh, like Bright Star, the Jane Campion film, I totally didn't think would work for me, and I loved it. Like, I was totally into it. It was like, this is just so engrossing, um, the performances. And I did, I did mostly understand what was being said. Um, although it's got Mark from Parks and Rec in it. What? Yeah, right? So I'm looking at the guy, I'm like, I know that guy and like letterbox was not helping me because I couldn't figure out the character name. And I'm like, who is this guy? I can't place it. And I finally clicked. And I was like, Oh, that's why he sucks. Uh, because he sucks. Like, uh, he sucks as like the character kind of sucks, but also like Mark's like the worst part of parks and rec. I think hands down, uh, he's gone after season, what, like halfway through season two, they replace him completely. He's just, he's just bad. And that's kind of the vibe I have of him as an actor. I'm just like, yeah, I don't like you. Um, generally and anywho um let's talk atonement so you alluded to the ending um it, it's a sad ending uh cecilia and robbie do not get back together um because they both die and when so but they like so Bryony's character is on a television show and we end up finding out that she was She's an author. She's written like 21 books or something. And this is her last book. She has 
something kind of like dementia. I can't remember. Ex- I yeah. can't remember exactly what she has. But this is her writing a happy ending for them since they didn't get to have one. And it's like, I know that you're trying to make yourself feel better, but. And I know she was 13, but I feel like at 13, you still have an idea of right and wrong. I kind of. I'm not a psychologist or a child psychologist, so you know what I mean? But, um, yeah. Because I, I, I thought, I was like, he was really, really sick when we saw him the last time when they yeah. beat Dunkirk. And I'm just like, get that man some water. You know, I just kept feeling like something really bad was going to happen in that part of the movie anyway. Because, like, I forget the name of their friend, the black guy. They lose him for a little bit on the beach when they're walking through all the the buildings and stuff. And it just kept feeling like something bad was going to happen. And then he lays down and he's not looking good. His friend, I think has to help him walk. And, you know, it, that whole scene, I mean, it's a war scene. Of course it doesn't feel good, but do you know what I mean? It just felt very hyper-focused and very like, Oh yeah. There, you know. there was uh, like when, it cuts to like him and Cecilia like happy. I'm like, oh, he survived. And that's the movie does the La La Land thing that makes people sometimes mad, where like they give you the happy ending, and then they're like, no, it didn't happen. Made me this angry way. made me so mad. Um, which it didn't. It didn't make me mad. Uh, it did make me really sad though, like um, because the the real ending that we're told by her in the interview is like Cecilia dying was a little unnecessary, I suppose. Um, but he looked like he was ready to die. Like, so I was really like surprised that he didn't die and that he was like so healthy too. Like he wasn't like, Oh, you know, I survived, but I'm like broken. He was, he looked very healthy and I'm like, wow, that's a turnaround. And then when we like, it cuts back and it's like the tragedy of like, no, no, he died where you thought he died. I'm like, Oh man. Um, you know, like his friend taking his letters out of his pocket to take home, I guess, Yeah. you know, to give back to Cecilia or his family and just thinking about, you know, someone having to do that. And that's all that might be left of someone or yeah. like, that's your proof that someone's died. It makes me very angry. I know that there is a lot that happens in life that there's no, like, it doesn't come out in the wash or, you know, morality i don't know how to word it, word it like morality wise like bad people people who do bad things and i know she's 13 but you know she like gets to live to be old she gets to have a successful career she you know all of these things was she even really ever a nurse or going for nurse training and it literally like i mean for the way that cecilia died but it like took my breath away when we hear how she died and then that whole tunnel she's in fills with water and I'm so terrified of drowning and it was just like oh, such yeah. a horrific scene. It's brutal. Um also yeah. Apologies. Um Benedict Cumberbatch oops, Cumberbatch. <laughs> That's character. about right for this yeah. um character uh plays <laughs> Paul Marshall. Um the second he meets Lola, he's a freaking creep, right? Like he gives her the chocolate bar and he says like, bite it. And it's like, it's just the way he's acting. I'm like, okay, I don't like this guy. Um, and then, 
the rape, like immediately, I was like, "That's that's well, Cumberbatch." He had already acted very inappropriate, and then she had like rug burns or something on her wrists. We never really find out what that is, but he like yeah, talked they, over her at dinner. They call it. I, I don't know if they call. I don't want to say this is not PC to say anymore, but um, when you used to like, you would take someone's arm and you would like, you know, like give them a a burn. Essentially, it was called. It was called, and I don't know what the proper name is to call it now, so I'm, I'm calling it this knowing that it's not appropriate, but it was called an Indian burn. When so we everyone were kids. knows where we are. Right. When we were kids, that's what it was called. It was wrong. I don't know why it was called that. Now I'm starting to think about it as an adult. I'm like, oh, man, I hope that's not why it was called that because that seems even more racist than I thought it was. But again, <laughs> I am not saying that as a, a statement, but I don't know what else to call it. And I think they say something along those lines in the movie, which again, period-wise, it would have been in the 30s it would have made sense to not be sensitive about things you know like they would have just yeah. said whatever they wanted um but <sighs> but that's the implication that she has those burns i hadn't thought about it as something like that oh man it's so and given that she then marries him and there's no question in my eyes she knew who it was but she didn't turn him in um, well she said that she didn't see who it was and they had her eyes covered but and i mean she's young too but Dude, and I was even thinking as I'm watching it, like, is this, I couldn't remember if he inherited the chocolate factory, but I just feel like that's a very predatory kind of business. I'm not saying all chocolate makers, (laughs) but you know what I mean? Like, to be able to, like, oh, I'm a chocolate, I make candy. You know what I mean? Like, I just feel like sometimes candy is, like, attached to younger people people right. like kind of like know, ice cream. Your, your audience is going to be younger people inherently but that doesn't yeah. mean that you are a creep, a creep just but, because of that but it just yeah you know what i mean like i but just he, like he's not the the, the performance Cumberbatch is giving is not in any way trying to hide that he's kind of a creep like the, um from the get-go the way he is and of course she looks excited that an adult is showing her attention um, well, they've been dumped by their parents. They're getting a divorce. Right. She and her brother, you know, her they don't like mean to her yeah. living there. They think that she's like the cause of all of this. It's pretty terrible. But yeah. And here's this guy. Um, but yeah, that it's so gross and so bothersome. And then but, for poor Robbie to go to jail with no like, I mean, there's not even like an investigation from what we're shown. Like he's just they taken like, to jail. She said it. You know, uh, she's I like Brian's eyewitness, and that's all it takes. And I w- wonder if it has to do with you know their place in society too. Like, yeah, yes, it, it definitely is. Robbie talks about that. Like, it, you've always looked down on me. You've never thought I was worthy, kind of thing. Um, or the police would just believe them because he even comes back with the boys, and they still. I'm like, well, there's the proof. He was out doing what he was right. You know, supposed to be doing. He didn't have time to like rape her and then go find her brothers. Like someone <laughs> else must have done the rape because he found the brothers. Like what? No one's putting this together. Um, yeah, that that's super frustrating. Immediately, I was like the whole movie. I was like, oh my god, this poor guy. And McAvoy, uh, I have not spoken enough about, but he's always great. He's an actor oh, I, I like really, him. really love. Um, he's so, he's so able to do everything that's the, like in one movie, like it splits the, the epitome of that. Right. Or really glass. I think you see him in glass, just, he shifts persona so quickly. And he's like, you believe each character, like, you no, know, he's that character. No, he's that character. And here, because you see him from the reality of the situation with Cecilia. And then you also see him from Brian's perspective of him. 
he's able to still give you both of those performances. Like you believe he's bad and good when you, he's performing because he's just an outstanding actor. Um, I really like McAvoy a whole lot. And I, man, I, I, I've seen a lot of his stuff, um, but there's a lot of movies of his I have not seen. And this was a performance that I, I didn't know much about. And I actually, I don't even think I realized he was in it until we were like talking about it last week. But I, I just think he's a brilliant actor and um, same really liked him in this as well. I guess that my only problem with this movie is I don't understand where her like written fantasy like it is not clear. Like I was saying earlier, yeah. did she really was she really did she really reach out to her sister and, you know, try to meet her? She obviously didn't meet her that time that Robbie was there. And they were making her go to her parents. Did yeah. she go to be a nurse? Like, I just feel like some of that's kind of. I do think she was doing the nurse stuff. Um, Cause like during the nurse scenes, she's still like sneaking away to write. Um, mm, okay. So fair. I do think that stuff is there. Um, I don't know. I, I believe she wrote the letter to your sister because I do think she feels guilty and knows that like her young anger is the cause of their pain, essentially. Um, and a lot of her guilt is kind of un not that it's unnecessary because for four years of their lives, she did take that away from them. But their deaths, maybe he wouldn't have joined the, the military, but it seemed like in World War II, uh, pretty much everybody who could fight had to fight. So he probably would have ended up at the war anyways, maybe not in the regiment. And he would have been, we're told he's not an officer because of his criminal background, but he's definitely intelligent enough where he would have been an officer. Um, more maybe, likely. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe he, uh, why did he have to join the French army? Was the French army not able to recruit? I don't really know. I don't know. Cause um, he's not French. I don't know if he was in the French army, but he was in France. <clears throat> oh, I thought they said that he, they made him join the French army, but I, I'm probably wrong. I probably I, misheard that. I, I not a hundred percent either. Um, I'm certain where Robbie's been released from prison on the condition that he joined the army and fights oh. in the Battle of France. So that's what, oh, okay. according so to Wikipedia. Probably, I just misheard or misunderstood. Yeah, and that that makes sense. Um, with the whole Dunkirk like evacuation, because the French army wouldn't have. I don't believe they would have been evacuating because that's like their. I don't know. Um. It definitely wouldn't have been part of like the British that, plan to back out to leave. The whole scene was so like unnerving because like I forgot or I didn't realize that there was like it was like a boardwalk area, I guess. Uh -huh. So they had like a carousel and they had, you know, a boardwalk, obviously. But they were like, oh, what are they called? Citizens that aren't in the civilians. Army. Yes, civilians. There were like civilians on the beach. Like, mm -hmm. there was a woman and her daughter who had, like, shock. I don't know. That whole scene was jar very jarring. The the killing of the horses was... What was that? Was that to feed them? I don't understand what was happening. I don't... Well, I hadn't thought that. I assumed that was, like, their cavalry, and they couldn't take the horses back. So rather than leaving them for the Germans, they killed them, I guess. Oh. But I don't know, because the, the, the soldier that was with them is very mad about the killing of the horses. So I don't know... For sure. Uh, that is definitely not in Nolan's Dunkirk. So that's where most of my knowledge of Dunkirk came from. So I was like, I, I don't remember them shooting horses. But um, yeah, so I've not done any digging into that. But yeah, it's disturbing imagery, if nothing else. Like it's definitely like, God, I 
the tragedy of that is is intense. And they, he says, well, be glad that you're not injured because I've been, you know, instructed to leave any injured soldiers behind. Yeah. And he is injured, but he's not visibly injured in that way. Um, I had to look it, up what sepsis is. It's an <laughs> infection, right? Just yeah. of the blood. Um, yeah. Uh, so it's a tragedy. Uh, definitely a sad sack. And we do get the romance, but it's in a book. It's not real. Yeah. Um, which is a theme he establishes early that we're going to have her perspective on some things and then we will see how it maybe actually played out in some cases. Um, that seemed to be pretty consistent with those moments and they were very interesting. Um, I, I, I think this is a very good movie. Very tough watch. I, I agree. I don't imagine really coming back to this. Um, but I, I, I do think it lives up to the, uh, the must see kind of rating because it is, there's so much to take away from it. Um, the story is tragic, but it's a good story. It's a good, it's a well-written story and very well structured and, and it's compelling and it keeps you kind of moving. And, uh, but it has that Joe Wright kind of, there, there's always this kind of dreamy element to his stuff that I like. I, I think Cyrano has it too. Um, it's partly because of the period setting and he does this like, it feels like the the color is slightly desaturated. It's not quite as vibrant. Mm. Um, and it, it just gives it a dreamy vibe uh, to me. With at least the films of his that I've seen. There's still several I've not. But um, I, I just think this is it's a really well-made film and thus worth your time and attention to watch. Even if, again, there's going to be times where you feel really bad. And there's a few moments of joy. But you're going to feel mostly bad through this movie. Um and that fits the theme. So I'm I, in that way, I'm glad I picked it now because it did fit. But uh, that's my rating. Must see Corey. I'm going to say the same thing. At least you need, need to see it once. Yes. And then probably not suffer through it again. It is, it, it is painful. Snow. Um, we're like Brooklyn, not painful. I think Brooklyn is like super, like throw it on in the background, rewatchable kind of thing. Um, Carol yeah. also really painful, but like, there's like a, a mystery element to Carol almost where you're like playing through these like threads that feels a little fun, um, but still tragic in a lot of ways, but it ends on an upbeat, right? Or like, yeah. um, atonement's like, you thought you got an upbeat ending, but hold on, let's slam the brakes for a second and, um, shatter everything. Cause it was already bad and now it's going to be worse. Um, like they can't just live out their lives and she can't just shun her family and you know, they can't nope. grow old and be lovies. I mean, and in some ways that is because they probably could never have been together like realistically. And so maybe this. their deaths. Well, I feel like her they don't dying, suffer, especially like she doesn't have to be without him. Yes. Which I mean, is still that's sad. Really that's a tragic way to go. Correct. Too. Completely. Not not in any way am I encouraging that. I'm just saying. No. Like, I guess that's what we're supposed to kind of take is like their suffering was ended abruptly, but that still sucks. Um. Anywho, that's our review of Atonement from 2007. Uh, we have one more episode of Sad Sacks. Uh, and next year we'll we'll try to do something happy for Valentine's Day month. Um, Will we? No kidding. I don't know. We'll see. Um, but <laughs> this is who we are. Our last movie of the month, Corey has never seen this iconic film, Casablanca, 
we are taking a trip to Casablanca. Uh, we're going to play it again, Sam. And I, man, the, I've seen this movie several times. Um, and I, I don't need to rewatch it, but I kind of think I'm gonna, cause I really do love this movie. Um, so I'm excited to hear Corey's take on Casablanca. Uh, it is not currently streaming on anything that I'm aware of. It is available to rent or buy on all the digital platforms. Um, for our sake, we'd love to hear your thoughts about our episode or the movies that we were watching. You can reach out to us on social media. I am at Burke Reviews and Corey. At Corey R. Star, two hours on the end. And if you like what we're doing here at Movie Club Podcast, we ask that you please give us that five-star rating on whatever podcast provider, catcher, etc. that you are using to listen to this because it helps other people find the show. Uh, we'll be back next week with our review of Casablanca. But we're in the meantime... I said we're charming. Yes, indeed. But in the meantime, while we're charming, keep watching movies. Hey, this is Matt from What I Watch Tonight. Come join me in the back row for movie discussion, retrospective episodes with guests, director-focused shows, end-of-year rankings, start-of-the-year predictions, and much, much more. There's more going on in the back row than you might think. This has been a Burke Reviews podcast, burkereviews.com.